0: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Awesome Box Podcast. It's your host, Trevor, back again. Thank you for all who listened to my last on-the-go podcast where I was in the car talking about the education market. It went pretty well last time. I got some good feedback, so I'm back again. I'm going to launch a new series called Coffee Run Sunday where I go buy a coffee. Today's choice was Caramel Brulee back at Starbucks. Delicious. I don't really like much Starbucks beverages because they're overpriced and overhyped, but... This is the exception. So if you're ever in the Lamont, Illinois area, stop by, see Jimmy, he's the Starbucks barista expert and my longtime friend, he will get you hooked up. They caramel brulee, use coupon code awesomebox for nothing off because I have no pool at Starbucks. But we're gonna launch a series called Coffee Run Sunday. I'm gonna drink a cup of coffee and I'm gonna talk about what's on my mind. So today, I'm gonna talk about the markets. In my mind, my opinion on the markets, what's hot, what's not, what we're looking for in 2019 here. So, we'll get right out of the gate with whatever's in my Google feed. This morning, we got to see a little bit about Disney and Disney's new upcoming Disney Plus streaming service. This has been long rumored by Disney. They made some huge acquisitions in the market like 21st Century Fox, which is almost done, which is gonna be a $71 billion, billion would it be, acquisition. This is huge for Disney. This is absolutely bad news if you're a Netflix subscriber. Also, Netflix's stock is down a combined total of 7% in one trading day after this announcement. Why does this matter? Well, Disney has got the skin in the game, they got the stones to do this, they got the mother's milk of growth, which is capital, and they have low amounts of debt. So here's where the market is moving. It's gonna move in Disney's favor, and why do I say this? It's not because I am a Netflix subscriber. I own, for a disclaimer, I own none of Netflix's stock, and there's a few reasons because of that. Number one is the amount of debt that Netflix has. Netflix has a debt problem. And they keep trying to keep their investors with the wool over their eyes saying we're creating a bunch of original content, we're going to spend $6 billion this year on original content, we're going to come out all these great things, we're going to fix this debt problem, we're going to get our subscribers up. The more subscribers Netflix adds, the more money they lose. This is historic to Netflix. This has been the running problem with netflix it's the reason why i think their ceo is asked backwards right now and it's the reason why i think netflix is going to lose to disney in quarter three quarter four of 2019 you cannot match the expertise of disney when it comes to content just look at lucasfilms that they purchased they made all of that money back in just a little over three years because they don't lucasfilm And the reason why Disney is going to win over Netflix is Disney has the synergy, which is a little bit of what I'm going to talk a little bit more about synergy in this episode in a little bit. But synergy is when you take all of what the internet has to offer, all with what the old economy has to offer. So you got the parks, you have the merch, you have the content, you have the culture around the company. Every single parent that has a child or every single person that falls in love with Disney knows that Disney has this culture down to a science. Everything from going to the parks, all the way from the Disney Channel, from the vault, when they take away movies out of the vault and they put movies back into production, Disney has culture down. Now, Disney has always been historically late to the game. We've seen this with from the transformation from VHS to DVD. We've seen this from the, the transformation from you know, DVD to the Disney Channel. They've always been late to the game, but the one thing Disney is able to do is flip the tide. What I mean by that is Disney Channel is a huge success. ESPN for the time was a huge success. Now ESPN's got a little bit of trouble because of cable cutters. But Disney has always been late to the game, but yet able to flip the tide because of their company, their culture, and they watch. They wait. They're like a snake in the grass. They wait for things to happen. And Bob Iger is going to strike again. He's going to kill it. He's going to knock it out of the park with Disney+. I'm predicting 2019, Disney+, a winner. Disney stock at 160 a share by, you know, mid 2020 i predict disney is going to be a winner in the stock market their stock is going to do extremely well look at all the acquisitions they've been making with 21st century fox with all the work they've done with lucas films with all the production they're doing with pixar with they're knocking it out of the park with the incredibles 2 they got toy story 4 coming down the pipe they got probably another cars movie coming down the pipe i don't know but you can't take away the magic at disney and why disney plus is going to be a huge success not only the culture, but the kids. Now, it's been noted that Disney is not going to have any R-rated content on Disney Plus, And this is huge because the one problem with Netflix is Netflix has not gotten away for parents to feel comfortable about watching TV. Nobody has been talking about this. But... When I ask parents and I, you know, I say, hey, why do you like Netflix so much? Is because of all the convenience, but the one thing the problem is, and YouTube has the same problem, is you can really flip over to have some bad content. Now, I know Netflix has the kids section, but it's really, it's really bare shelf. What I mean by that is there's not any good content that Netflix can deliver for children. Disney, the exact opposite. Every school, every parent, every daycare, they are playing Disney content. They are playing Disney movies. They are playing anything Disney-related because they know when they turn that, you know, they they take that remote, they turn that panel on, they turn that TV on, they know the kids are going to be in tune, they're going to shut up, and they're going to watch whatever content they throw in them, and they know it's going to be wholesome content because, you know what, Netflix doesn't have Winnie the Pooh. Netflix doesn't have Cinderella. Look at all the culture that these kids are going to jump into. If you have a daughter and you're sitting at home, they're not dressing up, you know, from a Netflix show. They're dressing up as Cinderella. They're dressing up as Belle. They're dressing up as Snow White. They're all over Frozen. Netflix has none of this. Netflix doesn't have the parks that they can cash in on. Netflix doesn't have the stones and the grind and the grit and the game to get it done. But Bob Iger, a chief imagineer for Walt Disney, is going to reimagine the streaming service. He's going to knock this out of the park. Every parent will have a crying kid that says, Oh, I want to watch Frozen for the 11th time this month. And they can't do it when Netflix, when uh, Disney pulls all their content off of Netflix in 2019 when those contracts expire. Now, Netflix fired back saying they're going to invest more and that they're welcome to the competition. But, you know, if you've ever watched a Netflix original, there's only like three or four good ones. And now I'm not a huge TV watcher, but based on what I hear, there's only three or four decent Netflix originals. Netflix can't make a movie to save your life. I mean, the most talked about series this year was that uh, Tom Clancy reboot on Amazon Prime. That's not even on Netflix. It's coming from a bookstore. It's coming from a freaking bookstore. So Netflix has a problem. They're going to fall on their own sword. Their algorithm's going to kill them because it's Hollywood versus the algorithm right now because Netflix will show you more shows that you want to see and it'll never branch out to tell you new things you can try but Disney's going to flip the scale and I bet you any money that when these movies come out to the theaters Disney Plus holders are going to get an exclusive behind the scenes they're going to go watch that movie from the theater they're going to come home and they're going to see some awesome content that's related to that movie they're going to get the movies first they're going to price this service underneath Netflix and they're going to sweep the market Netflix has 130 million subscribers ESPN Plus just passed what 5 million paid subscribers or a million paid subscribers it's also a Disney service Disney Plus 50 million subscribers, mid-2020, let's go. So the next topic I wanna talk about is a little bit of synergy, and I wanna move forward on the retail. Because I walked into a store for the first time in a long time, like a JCPenney and a Sears type of thing. And I, The Sears by me is closing, which isn't a huge shocker, but I wanted to see what was going on in retail, because everyone talks retail, everyone's talking how retail's making a comeback, and I can tell you right now, here's what retail is doing. They are holding their breath, and whoever's got the biggest oxygen tank, which is the most amount of capital, which is the mother's milk of growth, is going to try to outlast the other. If you walk into a Macy's, if you walk into a JCPenney's, Sears is gonna is, is gone. Carsons are claiming there's going to be a reboot, ain't going anywhere. But whoever has the longest amount of oxygen is going to win. So now it's going to come down to a battle between Macy's and JCPenney, and Amazon is going to laugh their ass off because Amazon has the most amount of capital. Amazon has the longest amount of time to live because JCPenney and Macy's, they're running out of cash. They are running out of cash and Macy's is claiming they're flipping the tide. Walk into a Macy's, walk into a JCPenney, walk into a Sears. Sears is the best example of this. They put no investment into that store. You walk into a store and these stores are pretty much showrooms for Amazon. Much like Sears was the showroom for Amazon for about a decade. Because who the heck walked into a Sears and said, I'm going to buy something. I just had this conversation with my buddy on the phone not too long ago. You know, Sears was closing and they were doing the liquidation. He's like, why would I buy something from Sears? Amazon's got a better price, even at liquidation. Amazon has have the margins. They operate at a net loss almost all the time because they don't want to grow. They don't want profit. Oh, here comes an ambulance. Comes an ambulance. It's trying to save Macy's. Alright, ambulance has passed. That's the interesting thing about doing a podcast in a car, you never know what's gonna happen. But I walked into a Macy's and you know, I went to go to the shoe section and it's bare. It's bare. Now these are necessities that these companies should be capitalizing on. A freaking pair of shoes. Like, this is like if you had if you were the CEO of Macy's or CEO of JCPenney and both stores, I'll get to both of them, because I walked in the JCPenney's and they had shoes, but none of them had freaking prices anywhere. None. They said, Oh, they're on sale. If it's $60, it's 55. It's if it's 70, it's if it's 75, it's 70, not one box of shoes, not one tag on the label had a price on it. That is a problem. If you are a retail department store and you are complaining that Amazon is taking your money and taking your share of the market and you do what these are basic necessities. These are shoes. You need a pair of shoes. If it doesn't have a price on it, you're gonna walk out because you'll probably get it cheaper on Amazon anyways after you tried that pair of shoes on, regardless of the convenience. Like these companies got their heads so far up their butt, it's not even funny. I, I'm gonna go on, it, like, Macy's had no shoes. They were They had the shoes, they had prices, but they didn't have anything in stock, which to me, your store is your warehouse. Like, if I'm going to a store, I want something right here, right now. And if I can't get it right here, right now, you bet your sorry ass I'm going on Amazon to buy that. Because I would rather wait two days, get it for cheaper, and get it delivered direct to my door. And then what you do is you scare away your customer, and then they don't want to come back. They're losing the synergy. The companies that are winning right now have omni-channel. They're good on the, they're good on the, uh, the retail side. They're good on the internet side. Look, Look at companies like Sephora. Look at companies like Ulta, these companies are doing really well because they use the platform of the internet to draw people in and then they use their store to have expertise to guide you through your purchase. These companies are winning. Big box retail are losing. If you look at your shopping malls, the investment in the stores are junk. Look at the cash registers at Sears, they're horrible. Look at the cash registers at JCPenney, they're horrible. If you have a store, i best be able to walk in there and pick out something. I know I understand there's stocking issues and stuff, not everybody can stock the shelves not any of this, but you should have experts that are in that section guiding you through that purchase because you know what, you'll pay an extra 4 or $5 more if you can get somebody who says that pair of shoes works with this dress, or this pair of shoes works with that pair of jeans, or if you like running, you should wear this. Amazon does not have this. Amazon does not have the stores, but you know what? What Amazon's gonna do is the same thing as what Disney did to Netflix. They're gonna tell them, You know, they're going to convince the market that all that needs is more capital investment and some little bit more time, and what they're going to do is what Disney's doing the Netflix, which is, here you go, do all this investment, we're going to wait like a snake in the grass, and we're going to send you down under the ocean with a freaking bottle of oxygen, and when you run out, we're going to step in and take you over. So Amazon is going to run the price of Macy's so far down by running them out on the basic principles that a store should follow, which is stock your stores have experts that guide you along the way through your purchase, just like Home Depot. Home Depot was able to flip the tide. that's why Home Depot investors are happy. Home Depot was able to step in and go, hey, we're gonna have our, our you know what, our orange apron people help you out. Best Buy was able to step in and have their Geek Squad professionals, whatever you wanna call them, walk you through a purchase. They have reviews and prices on everything. They were able to flip it. They turned their stores into mini warehouses. They, they stuck a flag down. They put their stake down and they said, this is what we're good at and we're going we're gonna to focus on it. Do you walk into a JCPenney's and what's happening? Like, you got a billion products cluttering the aisle. You have stuff that's clogging the aisles. You can't even walk through. Like I'm, the, Their biggest tactic is clogging the aisles with so much unnecessary BS that I have to walk around crowds of confused people that can't find a damn price on anything who are standing in line for longer than they need to be because they have to, God forbid, sign up for a JCPenney card. This is what's going to kill retail. And Amazon's just going to wait for one of these companies, like a snake in the grass, to go down under with their bottle of oxygen, push them down under, and say, when you're out of oxygen, come up for air. When you're out of capital, come up for air. We're going to buy you on 25 cents on the dollar, just like they did with Whole Foods. They're going to buy them, they're going to flip them, and then they're going to absolutely kill it. And you wonder why people are complaining. All right, moving on to the next sector of what I think is important. Apple. We need to talk about Apple. Apple, Apple, Apple. What is Apple doing Apple <laughs> has lost their Jesus Christ. Apple has lost Steve Jobs. Obviously, you've known this. You've known this for a while, but we haven't seen the effects of it until now. Taking a sip of my caramel brulee. So I guess that's coffee run Sunday. My coffee is almost no longer existing because I've been talking, which I like more. But Apple is a lost pause right now in the market. Now, will they remain? Absolutely. But what the hell are they doing? <laughs> New iPad comes out, right? New iPhone XR. I talked to several people. Where is the demand for the iPhone XR? I've called this out several times. I'm going to put it on the record now. There is no demand for the iPhone XR. This is a problem. This is a problem for Apple, who's got a problem with Huawei. Huawei in China is kicking Apple's ass six ways to Sunday, and they're going to take the cake as soon as this trade war gets figured out. And Huawei doesn't get an unfair advantage from not being able to sell phones here in the U.S., unlike Apple that can sell their phones in China. But, newsflash, Huawei is the number one manufacturer in Asia. They've outsold the iPhone like three to one over there and that is a problem for Apple because what is going on is Apple is on defense. No longer is Apple the offensive company they used to be. When you're on defense, you lose. If you're not innovating, you are going to lose. Apple has a big, big tank of oxygen so they're gonna find a new CEO somewhere in the next five years and they're gonna fix this problem. But if you look at the new products like the Mac Mini, if you look at the new products like the MacBook Air, what the hell happened to Apple? When the Mac Mini came out 13 years ago, that was a product that people can get behind because for $499, you got the cheapest Mac, the smallest computer, and it was the best computer you could get at the time. That Mac Mini, nothing touched it until the Lenovo Center Tiny or the IBM Center Tiny's that came out almost a decade later. Apple is on the defense. Look at the new MacBook Air. That's not innovation. The MacBook Air that came out 10 years ago, that was innovation. When you worked with Intel and Steve Jobs had the CEO of Intel stuck on stage and said, we worked with Intel and they held up the chip and they said, we designed this chip. We move the market forward. We were told we couldn't, and we did it anyways, and we shoved this into the world's thinnest notebook. It doesn't have a CD-ROM drive, but we know that flash storage is the future. We know that the cloud is the future, and this notebook is going to age like fine wine, and it did. And you know what? For years, the MacBook Air was forgotten about. It never got the Retina screen until this year. We almost had a 10-year run. We had a 5th Gen i5 in a 2017 notebook all the way until... Three quarters of 2018, we had a third or fifth-gen i5 in the MacBook Air because you know what? That icon that Steve Jobs made never got refreshed or never got replaced with anything that was nowhere near as innovative as that was. You want to talk innovation? Innovation is not being on the defense of raising all your products for no money. They raised all prices of everything for no money. The MacBook, the Mac Mini was $499, $799, MacBook Air $999, going to $1299, MacBook Pros up to $17.99, look, you get the touch bar, great. There's no innovation in the touch bar. Nobody cares about the touch bar. You look at the iPhone XR, there's no demand for a 720p screen in a new iPhone. Liquid Retina is a joke. Liquid Retina is an LCD display. You wanna talk money, you talk OLED. The only reason why the iPhone XR doesn't have an OLED screen is because Samsung's manufacturing the panel. Apple wants to keep the iPhone at a 68 to 71% profit margin, which is what they make on every single iPhone. And so you get a product that's lackluster. No headphone jack, which is no surprise. Samsung patented the headphone jack, and Apple bought Beats. You want to know why there's no damn headphone jack? It's not because they don't want to pay the... It's because of two things. They don't want to pay the royalty to Samsung, and they want you to buy those damn AirPods. If Apple was smart, they would do a few things. You want to spend $1,200 on an iPhone XS Max? You're going to get those damn AirPods in there just because you're going to get the the AirPods, and you're going to get the fast charger in the box. You don't get neither of them. They're nickel and diming on every single acquisition to get into this ecosystem. mind you, the products are excellent. The iPhone is excellent, but look, when that iPhone came out in 07, even up until like 2015, that iPhone was unchecked. Steve Jobs, retina display, had the highest pixel density of any display for like five years. Nobody could touch that display. The iPhone was untouchable for seven years. Innovation, thinnest phone. We went thinner. We went lighter. We went faster. We had better battery. We had better screens. Now, along the way, as people know, there were some controversies with, you know, Apple slowing down their iPhones. But look at it. And a company that's on defense. No Apple product right now is pushing the spectrums and the boundaries of what a computer should be. The Mac Pro was a complete failure. That's why they're rebuilding the whole thing. Had overheating issues. The MacBook Air, a dual core. A dual core i5 in a 2018 notebook i'm sorry 1299 i should at least get more ports and a better processor if you're going to take away the ports you can take away the ports don't slow my processor down don't give me a dual core the core 2 duo was a dual core and a macbook air that came out 15 years ago practically It's been that long, and we still have a dual core. Why? Because there's no Steve Jobs. Tim Cook is a defensive person. He's not offensive. He's not going out to these semiconductor companies and says, screw you, build a chip. We want the best. We want the brightest products. We want this ecosystem. Apple is playing defense. When they go to Spotify and say, Spotify, we are preventing you from having new subscriptions on your software. You can't tell people how to sign up. You can't ask for credit cards in your app. We are removing, and this is true, you can't go to Spotify right now and buy premium on their app because Apple wants to take 15% a month, a month, and they won't let you use anything besides Apple Pay for in-store purchases, for in-app purchases. They want you to use their ecosystem. That is monopolistic defense. Apple stock has obviously taken a hit from this. I predict Apple will be a loser in 2019. This is unsustainable. You can't nickel and dime everybody. You can't dongle your way out of this because the people are getting mad. You look on Reddit, there's a huge thread of why Apple's nicking, nickel and diming people. Look, you can't even replace the battery on a new Mac. It's glued in. It's epoxy to the entire frame. You can't remove it. You can, but it's going to take you two and a half hours to get there. The new iPhones are epoxy together because Apple does not want any third-party interference. They want all of those captured dollars. They want that subscription revenue from AppleCare. They want the subscription revenue from... Apple Music, but I'll tell you one thing. You can't do that to people. Subscriptions work when people want to pay for something. When you're forcing somebody into a corner and says, "Oh, you pay us $119 for Apple Care. You pay us for Apple Music because Spotify we made such a horrible experience because of our monopolistic powers. That's a problem. Disney's going to win in subscription service cuz Disney's going to undercut Amazon or Amazon and Netflix. They're going to provide great service. And they're gonna do it for a cheaper price and people are gonna to want to buy it. They're gonna line up to buy it. Nobody right now is lining up to buy an Apple product. Talk to anybody in the mobility sector. Nobody's buying the iPhone XR. That's my thoughts on Apple. Took 10 minutes to talk about them. We need to move on about mobility. Verizon Wireless, a loser in 2019 going into 2020. A loser. T-Mobile has checkmated Verizon Wireless. Verizon has had no really new customer growth since 2013. They won't have new customer growth because Verizon has nothing to offer to the table. Well, we're the best network. Yeah, you can only say that so long. (laughs) Because it's no longer about the network. Again, going back to the synergy, you need to have a multitude of products wrapped around each other that complement each other. Much like malls used to place stores that were complementary to each other so you buy more stuff and spend more time. AT&T's got this down with the Time Warner acquisition. Even T-Mobile's getting in the game with streaming. They have other products to complement their lineup. Verizon has nothing. What does Verizon have? They have a partnership, you know, with Comcast, whom we need to talk about as well. Comcast and Verizon are both on the way out. In fact, one of them is probably going to be merged with the other one by 2025 because Comcast is on a problem because they lost their acquisition 21st Century Box at Disney, which I'm still laughing about. They're having a struggle with cutting cables because people just don't wanna buy cable. And they have competition from companies like AT&T who already have towers up. This is why Xfinity, which is owned by Comcast, which is their main you know, line item, has moved to partner with Verizon because they know that the future is mobile. This is why T-Mobile's getting into the 5G game. Comcast is in a corner. They have Universal, that's about it. The Fast and Furious, we're gonna get to like 19 Fast and Furious movies. Comcast is gonna run out of cash. AT&T's got the infrastructure, they got the towers. T-Mobile's got John Ledger, they got the innovation. Verizon has nothing. Verizon, a loser, 2020 the 2025. You know what, I think their share of the market's gonna drop by 30%. I think their, their profits are gonna go down. I don't think they're gonna make it. So that's my thoughts on the market. We talked a little bit about Disney and Disney Plus. Talked a little bit about the retail side of things, how that market's shaping up. Talked a little bit about Apple. Talked a little bit about Verizon, and AT&T, and T-Mobile. What else is on my mind? Huh, what else (laughs) is on my mind? That's right, we have to talk about Amazon. HQ2. What a shit show roost this was. HQ2, we're gonna take money out of municipality, and I'm not saying this, this is the words of NYU Stern professor Scott Galloway. We're gonna take money out of municipalities, we're gonna take money out of your policemen and firemen, we're gonna transfer it to the governing hands of Amazon. This is all that HQ2 was. HQ2 was gonna be DC metro area for the longest time. All Jeff Bezos was doing was participating in what Tim Cook called a beauty contest and racked up all these towns and all these wasted tax dollars to offer Amazon the least amount of taxes. The reason why Amazon was going to choose HQ2 to be in D.C. metro area is because Jeff Bezos has a home there. And when you're married, your wife makes decisions. And what are you going to do? If you're the richest man in the world, which means you have the most options, the most options and the least amount of time, you think that the CEO of Amazon is going to want to spend 30 minutes, let alone 30 seconds, in Indianapolis? Like, come on. You really thought it was gonna be anywhere but the DC metro area because they have a home there. And where the wife, what the wife wants, the wife gets. And if they want to spend more time at their second home that they've already established, they're gonna do it in the DC metro area. Because you know what? Amazon has two problems. <laughs> they need to grow because that's why they're verticals, that's why Amazon has so many verticals, it's why they got in the grocery, it's why they got into streaming, it's why they got into advertising business. They need to make sure that they don't get an antitrust coming to them. My prediction about Amazon in 2019, mid-2019, antitrust is coming to Amazon. HQ2 will be built. A red state attorney general will come after Amazon who has seen none of the benefits of an Amazon who benefits coastal cities, typically Democrat cities, which are coastal lining cities. Politics aside, Amazon benefits Large metro areas because this is why you know the Amazon lockers and stuff aren't available on a farmland in the middle of Arkansas. They're displacing more jobs than they create. They're single-handedly taking out Sears, Macy's, JCPenney, all these companies. And there's two reasons for that. These companies won't innovate, and Amazon's got all the leverage. They're using money from AWS to drive the prices of groceries down to record lows because they can, because the, the cloud is the most profitable industry break Amazon up. Amazon web service should be separate from the rest of the company. You should not be able to take a 94% profit margin operating infrastructure and use it to take down prices at Whole Foods, which grocery has been hurting. The price of grocery has not gone up. Profit margins are low and you're competing against companies who are working for four or 5% margin on grocery. That's nothing. Amazon, 2019 into 2020, They're going to get an antitrust against them. Stock's going to go down 20 to 50%. They will be broken up. Well, that's it, guys. 28 minutes and 18 seconds of you you listening to me ranting about stuff in the market. I'm throwing this out there, and there's a few reasons why. Because I predicted several things in the past, like Microsoft, and I've gotten it right, and I hit the nail on the head, and people are asking for more... Opinions. They're asking for more help. I've gotten several people asking me for my opinions, several people asking me for my help. So this is for you, some free advice that I think is usable, and I'm going on the record. (laughs) So when I can look back and say this was right and this was wrong, I can look back and do it with confidence, and I'll have what I need on record. So thanks for spending your Sunday with me. I'm wrapping this up. If you're on a train, you're on a plane, you're commuting, you're going to work, you're working out at the gym, thanks for listening to me. I appreciate you guys very much. You guys keep me inspired every day. I work with so many different types of people across so many different types of industry. You guys are awesome. I'm glad I'm able to share my thoughts with you. I will catch you guys around next Sunday when I grab a different cup of coffee and we talk about some different things. All right, guys, thanks for joining me. I'll see you around next time.